Hello, this is Audrey Mack. The Word of God says in 3 John 2, I wish above all things that you may prosper, be in good health, just as your soul prospers. So I pray that this message be a blessing to you. Go deep into your heart to work divine transformation, both in you and through you. So get ready, open your heart, and be blessed. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, um... I'm so thrilled to be with you guys. You are guys second year, right? So praise God. Um, I have something I want to share with you um, this morning because you know, and and that's going to sound really odd. (laughs) But you know that Bible school is one of the place where you can backslide the most. Some of you are looking at me so, like, wow. innocent. And, and, <laughs> and, 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 and one of the reasons is really because we are depending right. on the knowledge that we receive. And we are seeing our time here sitting in class receiving teaching, and it's like without realizing it, there's a a shift in our heart where we substitute that with our communion with God. And so this morning I want to talk, I want to talk about, you know, how to live this life in Christ and how to, what does, you know, living this life in this new covenant is supposed to look like and be like. Amen. You know, there is one of my favorite verse, and what I'm sharing with you today is, is things that God has really been stirring in my heart and showing me and teaching me and really dealing with me as a minister. Because even as a minister, you can fall into that trap right. where you read the Bible and you go into the word and you pray, not so you can really connect with the heart of God, but so you can get your next sermon. Okay, let me go over there. (laughs) So I want to talk this morning about living this life in Christ. And one of my favorite verse that I've been meditating and looking and, 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 and pondering is Galatians chapter 2 in verse 20 and 21 that says, I have been crucified with Christ. And you know, we just a few days ago, we celebrated Resurrection Day where we celebrated, we remembered, and we focused on the work of Jesus Christ who died on the cross but rose again so that you and I, we can understand that, yeah, our old nature has been killed on the cross and died and buried with Christ, but we are now raised with him. And it says, I have been crucified with Christ, and therefore it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And this life that I now live in this flesh, I've got to live it, by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. In another word, what Paul is talking here, it's you and I living the resurrected life. And he tells us what it is. And one of the first things, if you allow me, I'd like to, the first thing that I want to head on to show us what the resurrected life is like, what it's supposed to look like, so that it's not no longer us living for God, working for God, doing this for God. That is old mentality. Paul said it is not us living for God, but we've got to come to that place where it is not Christ living in us so he can live through us. That is the resurrected life. That is what you and I are supposed to to be, look like. And the very first truth that we've got to understand is that now this life, it is no longer our own. 
It is no longer, that this life is not my own. Amen. And now this life, and listen to those two verses. And I like, in, in, in that same verse in Galatians 2, I'd like to read it to you in the Message Bible. It says, indeed, I have been crucified with Christ. My ego is no longer central. It is no longer important that I appear before you or have your good opinion. And I'm no longer driven to impress God because Christ lives in me. And the life you see me living in the flesh, it is not mine anymore. But it is lived by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So that is the first truth we've got to understand is that we don't live this life to do our will, our plan, what we want, but we got to understand I've been crucified. So now this life is no longer my own. And it is not that now we are going to live for God, but now we've got to understand that I've been raised with Christ and Christ lives in me. And now this life that I live in this body, in the flesh, I've got now is the key to live it by faith in the Son of God. Now, let me ask you this. I want to talk to you this morning in a practical sense. What does this life in the flesh is supposed to look like? What does this life living, Christ living in us and living through us, so it's no longer Audrey Mack who lives, but it's not Christ who's going to live in me and through me because to do his will, not my will. What does it look like? How do you do that in a practical sense? And Paul tells us, he says, now that kind of life of resurrected life, it is lived by faith in the Son of God. Now let me ask you this, what is faith? In the simplest form, faith is trusting God. And his word, more than what you can see or feel. I mean, Hebrew 11.1. 1. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The, the evidence of things not seen. So that's what faith, but let me ask you this. How does faith come? If we have to live this resurrected life, by faith, by trusting God and his word more than what we can see and feel. How does that kind of faith come? Come on, Roman. It says, now, Roman 10, 7, faith comes by hearing. By hearing. And hearing by the word of God. And that word, word, is the the, the the Greek word rhema, which actually means the living word, the spoken word. Or if you allow me the word that proceeds out of the mouth of God to you individually and personally. That's why, remember Jesus said in Matthew 4, 4, he says, men shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Amen. That's exactly what Jesus was saying in John chapter 15. When he says now, he was showing the disciples the, the, what the, this new covenant was going to be like. He says, you're going to have to learn to abide in me and I in you. And he says, and if, because without me, you can do Zero. We've got to settle that. Hey, on my own, I can do nothing. Did you know that's what Jesus also said? Jesus said, he said, I do nothing out of my own initiative, but only what I see the Father do and what I hear the Father say. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, never did anything out of his own initiative, out of his own knowledge, out of his own understanding. 
He only did what he saw and heard the Father say and do. And that's how you and I have to learn to live this life. And Jesus says, hey, without me, you can do nothing. Let's settle that right. He said, but if you abide in me and my words abide in you. And here again, when you look at that word, Jesus says, if I abide in you and you abide in me, and if my words abide in you, what word is he talking about here again? Thank you. It's the rhema word. Because you see, most people, this is the mentality. If I get enough knowledge of the word, if I study and I know and I can quote it and I can, you know, explain it and I can, you know, if I, you know, and here again, we are in Bible school, right? But the concept oftentimes is that we can know the word and then we can live this life by the knowledge that we get of a word because we study, we went to Bible school. We can live this life, we know what to do. No, you don't. Because here, Jesus, he says, if you abide in me and my spoken word, my rain, my word abide in you. What Jesus is saying, he said, now, this new covenant that you're going to live, this resurrected life that you're going to live, it's going to be a life where you are going to know that Christ lives in you, that the Holy Spirit lives in you. And you come to the place where you understand, I cannot do anything on my own. I think I know what to do, but I don't. So I'm going to have to allow God's word, his rhema word, to abide in me. That means I'm going to have to hear and hear and hear. And this life, it is not, you know, it is us walking intimately as one with God. And that's why he sent the Holy Spirit. So we can go and hear him and do what he says. Sounds familiar? That's what Jesus, this is how Jesus walked. That's how Jesus lived. That's how he did ministry. In perfect communion with God and the, and the Holy Spirit that led him and, and, and guided him and showed him, say, do this, don't do that. Go there, don't go there. Hold on, go. You know, that's how he lived his life. And that's how you and I have to live our life. And, and, and because here it is, even as Bible school students, we have, you know, the, the key is we want to read the word, meditate on the word, let the word get into our heart. Not so we can have an intellectual knowledge of it, but that we enter into a connection with the heart of God to get to know him. Because did you know, now I'm gonna, I might blow your gasket right here. Did you know that the word study, S-T-U-D-Y, as you and I know and understand it, is not in the Bible. The concept of studying the word to get you know, intellectual knowledge, it's not in the Bible. There is only two places in the Bible that has the word study. One of it, and we know it says study yourself to show yourself, you know, study to show yourself approved, a worksmanship that doesn't need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of God. But you know, when you look at that word study, it is not study as you and I know it, as far as acquiring knowledge, uh, uh, intellectual knowledge. It actually means be diligent. It's not a head thing, it's a heart thing. It says be diligent to show yourself approved. It works when that doesn't need to be ashamed, but rightly divide the word. And the other place where you find the word study is in Ecclesiastes. I believe it's in 12.12, where it says, too much study is a weariness of the flesh. (laughs) That's not an endorsement, is it? (laughs) So 
you and I, the way we approach the word, it, we ought not to do it like the Pharisees did it. You remember Jesus says, you think that by, you know, studying the scriptures, you have eternal life? How did they do it? They approached the word to get knowledge. And you know, the verse that we all know in Hosea that says, you know, with that knowledge, people perish. Here again, I looked at that word knowledge and the word knowledge, it's discernment, understanding, revelation. So when you and I approach the word of God, it is not so we can get, you know, intellectual knowledge, but we can get a heart connection with the heart of God. To so fill our heart with the word and, and, and approach it as an opportunity to allow the spirit of God to speak to us, to reveal Jesus, to reveal the Father. That's how we approach the word. And did you know, so right there, even in the approaching the written word, which you and I must do, We've got to get that word in our heart. But the way we do it is very different than what other, some people do it. We've got to approach it, hallelujah, with, with in a, how can I say that? I mean, that guy is thirsty. He's got the whole gallon. Glory to God. <laughs> Amen, brother. You know, and, and, and the way we approach the word, like I said, it's really to connect with the heart of God and to give the Holy Spirit a platform on which he can speak to us, reveal Jesus, reveal the Father, reveal the plan of God. And so we enter into, if you allow me, into a dialogue. And did you notice this is how Jesus did it? I'm even amazed that when they, the Pharisees, you know, saw Jesus, they were amazed. They said that, here is that guy. How does he know all those things? He's never studied. But what did Jesus do? Jesus always was in communion with the Father. Hearing the Father, talking to the Father. And you remember when he was 12 years old. And he was in the temple because thinking that was his time. What did they find him doing? He was discussing, asking questions, then answering their question. And that is really the way in, 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 in Hebrew mentality and culture, this is how a disciple was supposed to learn. Not by, you know, they, they were asking, talking, and that is how you and I have to connect with the heart of God, to train ourselves to always commune with the Father, commune with the Holy Spirit. That's why, you know, every time Paul, every time Paul wrote a letter, he would conclude it by saying, may the love of the Father, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And I love it. You know, in the French Bible, which by the way, I'm French, you probably hear it, but in the French Bible, that word communion, it's actually translated communication. We show that there is a dialogue Constant dialogue that is going on between God and us. And how does it look like as you approach the Bible? It is not just, you know, sometimes I see people, I'm going to read my 10 chapters or my 20 chapters, or my five chapters. No, no, no. The way we do it, we do it from the heart, not the head. Would mean that the Holy Spirit, when you read all of a sudden, you might have a word that pops out of the page. What is it? It's a quickening of the spirit that says, hey, hey, pay attention, dig a little deeper. There's something I want to show you. You know what I mean? Or maybe you might be picking up a book and you start reading that book and there is no life. You're like, you can't get into it. Put it down. It means the Holy Spirit says, uh-uh, it's not for you and it's maybe not for right now. Do, do you see the difference? As you live from the heart and not from the head. 
And so for you and, and I, that means that we engage into that constant communion with the Holy Spirit because this is what Jesus said. This life that you now live, you're going to have to abide in me and, and my words, my, my words, my communion, my communication be in you. And this is how we learn to live this resurrected life. Not us living for God, walking for God, doing things out of our own initiative, but walking in communion with the Holy Spirit to go where he wants us to go, to do what he wants us to do, to read what he wants us to read, to listen to. You see, there is a constant flow of, uh, and dialogue and communion with the Holy Spirit because you know this is what God intended even from the very beginning. Amen. That's what God intended. When he created Adam and Eve, they were walking together in the cool of the, uh, of the day, which I believe was the evening, and they were talking. They were, you know, probably Adam was asking questions, God was answering, then maybe God was asking him. You know, there was that, that communion together. But of course, you know what happened. Adam said, well, and Eve, they just thought, well, let's just try to get knowledge from another way. That's a little, you know, every day God speaks to me, he tells me what I need to know for the day, but I can go one step ahead. Shortcut. Yeah, shortcut. And so I don't have to depend and lean and be so dependent all the time on God telling me what to do. I can get a shortcut and go, and you know how that ended. But you know, this is what God, you know, that same plan, he wanted to do it again with the people of Israel. When he got them out of Egypt, he told them, if you listen to my voice and obey my instruction... Uh, you will become my treasured possession. God wanted it to do it again. But what did they say? They said, well, no, Moses, how about you go and talk to God, and then you come and tell us, and then we'll do what you say. And it does, you know what it did? It ended up being in that place of, of bondage again, and under the law, right. where there was no life. But here we are. We've been crucified with Christ. And it is no longer I who live. It's no longer my will, my ways. But it is Christ who must live in me. And this life now, I live by faith. By trusting God and his word. What he tells me more than what I can feel or see. Learning to live that life. And you know, this is that place of rest. Because this new covenant that we now live in Christ, yeah. you remember in the book of Hebrew, it said there is a rest for the people of God. For him who has entered that rest has ceased from his own works. Amen. But you know, you look in the context of that, in Hebrew chapter 4, if you look and back out a little bit in Hebrew chapter 3 and Hebrew chapter 4, you'll hear again the author say again and again and again, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. And if you look at the connection, what God is saying is if we live this life in constant communication, connection with God, it's a place of rest. Why? Because the weight, the pressure is not on us. It's on the Holy Spirit. The pressure is on him because he's the one who is going to lead us, teach us, correct us, guide us, show us, stop. The pressure is on him. So now we are entering into that covenant of rest where it is not me having to live for God, to work for God, to do things for God. It is just me, like a child, a childlike faith that says, hey, I've come to understand I can do nothing without God, so I'm just going to lean on him, listen to him, commune with him every day so I can hear his voice and do what he says. Amen. And that's the place of rest. You see, the pressure is not on you trying to figure out 
what you've got to do, how you've got to do it, where you got to do it, how you got, no, the pressure is simply you hearing and hearing and obeying. Hearing and hearing and obeying. Now let, let me give you a little example of something that happened to me. Is there water? Praise God. I might just borrow your jug, brother. <laughs> I think this is awesome, by the way. That's wisdom to being a bring old big gallon. It is wisdom. Hallelujah. Oh, God is so good. Um, that's the reason why you know this new covenant in Romans chapter 7, verse 6, where it says we've been delivered from the law. And you know what the law is, the sets of rules of do's and don'ts. You do it this way, how you know, you know, it's a bunch of do's. And, and it says we've been delivered from the do's and don'ts and following laws and rules so that we may now serve in the newness of the spirit. And so how does it look like? And I'm going to give you an, exam, an example. It's something that God, you know how God teaches us sometimes. He uses our own life to teach us. He uses, you know, object lessons, you know, and, and, and he will teach us and talk to us all through different things and experience and things that we see and, 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 and encounter. And so... Um, when, just a few weeks ago, I was traveling from Jacksonville, was going to go to, I believe, San Antonio, Texas. And I was, you know, flying through Atlanta. And I have a mojo as a missionary. I mean, I've traveled for now 35 years, I think. And I have a mojo. What, I'm, what is a mojo? A thing I always do so I avoid mistakes and, I, you know, and I reduce problem, you know, some problems. So I always do this. It's like putting your keys always in the same spot so that you don't have to wonder, what did I do with my keys? I put them there and then you go all over the house looking for your keys. If you get in the habit of doing the same thing, then it's like, bam, you know. Anyway, so I have that mojo where when I get out of my first flight, I go directly, I book to my next gate, the next terminal, the next gate. I don't stop. Don't stop to go to the bathroom, to buy, to eat, or nothing. I just go to the next gate, and if I need to do something, I'll do it there. And so that day, I was in the plane going to Atlanta, and I was sitting next to a lady, and I was actually reading a book about how to hear the voice of God. You know, that's what God has been having me to camp on, hearing the voice of God, because this is the key of this resurrected life. And so I was reading my book. The lady is like, wow, you're a Christian. I'm a Christian, too. We talked, and then she said, I want to keep in touch with you. So we exchanged phone numbers and then get out of the plane. And I'm, I have 30 minutes until my next flight takes off. So I don't have a whole lot of time. So I'm like, okay, nice meeting you. I'm going. And I'm, you know, and, and, and if you know anything about Atlanta Airport, I was on Terminal T. And Terminal T is the TSA hub. That's where all the security is happening. All the screening is happening right there in Terminal T. And so I'm walking it out of my plane. And I'm walking. And all of a sudden, I have that thought. Go to the bathroom. And I'm thinking, uh-uh, that's not part of my mojo. <laughs> but I know God enough. Because you see, when God speaks to you, it's like a river. It's like a spontaneous thought out of your intellect. It's not something you've... You've, it's not something you've thought about, you've studied, you've known, you may know. It's not some, it's something that is like a spontaneous thought that comes in your heart. And I could recognize that that came from God because that was out of my mojo. 
And so I'm like, okay. So I stopped in the bathroom. I went to the bathroom. I go to the bathroom. I get out. Now I am like right in front of the big TSA hub. And as I'm right in the center of it, all of a sudden we hear a scream. Stop! Everybody freeze! And we all, I mean, I'm thinking, you don't understand. I've got to go to my plane. And all, a lady, all of a sudden, security lady, she said, ma'am, stop, freeze right now. And we're like. And at that point, all of a sudden, we heard within a, a minute or so, not even a few seconds, we hear, run, danger, 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 run, run, hide, run. I mean, and panic, completely panic in the place. Kids screaming, grandmother fell off out of the wheelchair, people running, falling. I mean, you know what panic can look like. And at that moment, I had, I didn't know what was the danger. It could have, I didn't know if it was a bomb or if it was a shooter. I didn't know what was going on. But I had at that moment, my, I have to, to admit, my first thought was like, oh, I could be in heaven today. I'm, I'm serious. Because when you understand God, death has no more grip on you. Death means hallelujah. Promotion, right? So that was my first thought. But then I just had that sense. And I spoke out loud. I said, Audrey, do not Panic. I spoke it out. I said, Audrey, do not panic. And at that moment, I just had a sense of peace. And I looked, and there was a huge pillar, metal pillar. And I went, and I hid behind, and I stood there to check in my heart what I was to do. And all of out of my mouth, I started to speak and declare life. I said, in the name of Jesus, I call the plans of the enemy to not. I cancel your plan. I speak life. I speak, uh, uh, and I I started to declare life and and declare the power of God and, and declare the name of Jesus over the situation. Of course, because now, and I'm not doing it like, I'm like shouting. I'm declaring it. I'm like, in Jesus' name, peace be still, you know. And then, so one of the TSA ladies saw or heard there was something coming from behind her. So she came to me, she said, ma'am, move, evacuate. So they got us out into, through the breezeway, into the tarmac. And we stayed there for three and a half hours in the cold. And then, you know, after three and a half hours, finally, they got us through the security, through the screening process. We got out of there. I missed like two, three planes. Uh, then finally, I was able to catch the last plane of the day to go to San Antonio. And, and, I, and I'm like, I'm, I'm, there, I'm a little frustrated because I'm thinking, okay, what's going on here, God? I don't understand. You know, because here is the thing, you see, so many times as Christians, we have that impression that this life that we live, it's a life we've got to be blessed, comfortable, easy peasy, everything going good for me, because after all, it's all about me. Don't look at me so holy and so innocent. We've almost, and I'm talking in the West, I'm not talking somewhere like when I go to Asia, you know, they, but in the West, we've had oftentimes that mentality that if you're a believer, then everything is going to be perfect, cut out for you, no problem, no issue, bam. And I was a little frustrated. I'm like, Lord, I don't understand. I don't understand because, you know, usually I'm always at the right place, the right time doing the right thing. What went wrong? What did I do wrong? If I hadn't stopped in the bathroom, I wouldn't have got caught up in that whole madness. I would have, you know, and I'm having this little discussion. (laughs) And then all of a sudden... I'm looking, I'm like, I got in my hotel in the wee hours, you know, in the morning. And I'm, and, and I'm having to get up super early to preach two services that day. So I'm like a little frustrated, you know. 
And, I'm, and then all of a sudden, I'm talking to God, and I'm looking at my cell phone, and I see a text from that lady, remember, I sat with? And I had sent her a text saying, hey, did you make it to your gate, or did you get caught up in that whole thing? And her words were like, oh, no, no, I made it to the other side where I could catch the escalator and go to and walk to my next terminal. And I'm thinking, yeah, or if you hadn't stopped to the bathroom, you would also be on the other side, you know, down the escalator and walk to your gate, you know. But then I'm reading her text, and she's saying, Audrey, she said, I made it to my next gate and stuff. She said, but flights were canceled, many flights were canceled. But she said, I got to sit next to a lady who was right behind the shooter when it all happened. And she said, this is what happened. She said, that lady, she said, that guy had a bag with guns in it, loaded guns in it. And as he was getting, he was going through the security, he put his hand in his bag to try to pull his gun to start shooting. He said, but the gun went off. He said, and all of a sudden everything froze. That's when he said, and he froze for a while. And then all of a sudden he grabbed his bag and he ran out of the airport. And it took them hours, even I think days to find the guy and found that that guy was a convicted felon. Now, do you think that guy was here at the airport with a bag and two loaded guns just because he was innocent? He just wanted, no, that guy had evil intent. But here is what, at that moment when I read that, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he says, Audrey, did it occur to you that it's not all about you? That it is, I wanted you at the right place, at the right time, so I could flow through you and bring life and bring peace and bring order over the situation. Why? Because God loves people. And he showed me right there, he's like, that, Audrey, is what I've been talking to you, showing you, this is it, the resurrected life. That it is no longer us trying to work for God, live for God, but us living out of the outflow of a communion, a relationship where we abide in the word, but the, the word, his rema word abides in us so we can walk and live and have our being in him. Where he speaks, we go. He, he, he stops, we stop. And we, all of a sudden, we are in that place of rest where it is no longer us who live, but it is Christ who is able to live in us and through us. And all it takes is us being sensitive to his voice and living from the outflow of a heart, not a head. Amen. Having said that, then it is crucial, imperative, to learn to recognize when God speaks and how he speaks. And you know, I gave a little hint there when I talked about a spontaneous thought. And you know, one thing that to me became so real in my pursuit of knowing and walking with the Holy Spirit. And I could tell you so many stories through the years as a missionary on how the Holy Spirit would guide me, stop me, tell me to go here. I mean, it was like learning to flow with him and walk with him. But I know there is always more. You can always become, because you remember what it says in Hebrew. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. When do we harden our heart? When we hear the voice of God, or we get a, you know, and we say, uh-uh, no, uh-uh, no, can't be God, or it's not God, and we resist it. What we do, we harden our heart. And we're like, well, what if I make a mistake? Well, so what? You'll know, you'll learn, and next time you won't make the same mistake. It's all a process of learning to hear and walk with God. But one truth for me, that so explained it so well and really helped me is, you know, when Jesus said in John chapter 7, verse 37 through 39, Jesus said, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me 
and out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. And he was talking here about the spirit, what he was about to send. And I realized here that Jesus explained the voice of the Holy Spirit as a river. And then I realized, and as I started to study and look, that every time in the Bible it talks about the voice of God, it always refers at water, rivers, flow. And so that means to me that when God speaks to us, it is not an intellectual thought of preconceived thought, but it's something that flows like a river. That's why I called it a spontaneous thought. Something that you would not have conjured up, thought of. It's something that came out of your norm, out of what you would know or think. But if you recognize that it's spontaneous and it's out of what I call your mojo, therefore it is God and you yield to it, then you tap into the resurrected life. You tap into the power of God. I cannot tell you the number of times when Holy Spirit would give me those spontaneous thoughts out of my, you know, my thinking or my, myself. And every time I would yield to it, bam, there would be a miracle. One time I remember I was in, in India um, and, and, I, and I was in doing a pastor's conference and the first night, you know, there was a lady, a little skinny lady, and she had a big stomach. So I thought she didn't look old. She looked pretty young. So I thought she's pregnant, you know. But she comes to me, and you can tell there is pain on her face. She is in pain. And she comes to me, and she takes my hands and put them on her stomach. And she's speaking in her tribal language. And I don't understand it, so I'm thinking, What's going on? And all of a sudden, that spontaneous thought came. Punch her in the stomach. I'm thinking, nah, I knew that wasn't from me because me was thinking, what are people going to say? Or what if she's pregnant and I'm killing them? You know, all the stuff you can... But I knew that could not come from me and it was spontaneous out of the norm. It was something a little, sounded a little... And I yielded to it immediately. Do you know that two days later, that lady came back and testified that she had stomach cancer. And she was in so much pain, so much pain that she said, if I don't get healed there, I'll kill myself. And how the Holy Spirit just out of, you know, but you know, here is a key I also learned. When Holy Spirit speak as a spontaneous thought, then immediately the devil comes to undo it or to talk you out of it. So I recognize that. You know, another time I remember, it was in, at a different time, but in India, and I was teaching healing in a Bible college, and there was, you know, at the end I gave an invitation, 200 plus students came forward. And there is that young guy, he had glasses that looked like Coke bottles. You know what I'm talking about. And he's there, and there were so many of them that I didn't have time to talk and spend much time with each. So I just went, lay hands, and spoke and prayed in Jesus' name. And then as I came and prayed over that young guy, I prayed for him in Jesus' name, be healed. And I go, and I was like two, three person. I just heard that thought, go and spit in his eyes. I'm like, I knew that's not me. And immediately... I studied to hear things that says, well, who do you think you are? You think you're trying to act like Jesus. And what da 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 And at first, I kind of first thought, oh, no, yeah. And then I recall, I'm like, wait a second. Of course I'm trying to act like Jesus. <laughs> and so, I mean, I dismissed it, and I went to that guy, took his glasses out, and spit in his eyes. What happened? Nothing. <laughs> I felt like this, you know, like Andrew says, like a zero with a rim knocked off. 
but I'm like, I don't care. Even if I made a mistake, at least I yielded to what I believe was the voice of God. But listen to this. Two hours later that afternoon, that young guy came to me with no glasses, completely healed. So I started to learn to recognize how the Holy Spirit comes. He comes as a spontaneous thought out of your intellect, out of your norm, out of what you think you know and can do. And sometimes he will tell you things that seem so insignificant, you know, like, could it be God? It's so easy, so simple. And sometimes he'll, ask, he'll say things that just like sound a little crazy. Like, whoa, if I do that, da, 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 what are people going to say, you know? But you get rid of the fear of man and you let your heart follow the fear of God, which is I'm going to follow him and do what he says. And you know, that means, therefore, that you and I have to learn to be sensitive to that voice, to recognize that voice. And you know how that comes? That comes by cultivating times of quietness and silence and solitude. We are in a world that is so bombarded with distraction, with noise, with a to-do list that is that mile long that we no longer, I believe the aim of the devil is to get us so busy, so preoccupied with things to do, and, and, and so distracted with all kind of gadgets, and inundated with so much noise, that the still small voice of God gets drowned. That means that you and I, we are going to have to be intentional in setting time apart. You know when he says, be still and know that he's God. Listen to that, even that one verse, if I can find it. Hallelujah. In Psalm 62, verse 1, he says, be silent, my soul, before God. You know, I remember when I used to, to, I was a missionary in India, and then after every year I would go back to that same place, which was a school in the middle of nowhere. You know, you had to travel three hours to go in the middle of the country, and there was that Bible school there that hosted hundreds of students from all over Asia. And it was a great place, you know, and there was no internet, no phone, and I would always treasure and look forward to go there because I knew I would not be distracted with my phone, with my computer, with my iPad, with email. I was forced into that place of quietness. And I can tell you, it wouldn't take any time for me. Just like It seems like the voice of God was so clear. The manifested presence of God was so real, and it felt like I could connect with God so fast. Amen. And then a few years later, I went back there, and they came to me so excited. Audrey, Audrey, we got now phone and internet. And I went, oh. So now, when I'm at home, sometimes, you know, you get home, and there's so much stuff to do's. And you're trying to connect with God in that place of solitude and place of quietness and silence. And all of a sudden, your brain goes to do. You've got to do the laundry. You've got to do this. Take the kids there. And then you've got all that stuff. And so you're going to have to be intentional. Maybe putting soaking music or something, something that your heart connects with to be quiet before God. And, you know, and one great way to really connect is you know, in Hebrew, I think it's Hebrew 12 too, it says, Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. A faith that comes by hearing and hearing by the spoken word of God. And so if Jesus is going to be the author of that faith and our ability to hear, that means we can sit in that place of quiet, turn off all the distraction, the phone, you know, Get everything out and get in that place where you focus on Jesus. Amen. Putting your eyes on him. You know, maybe using, like Andrew says, the heart, the eyes of your heart to imagine yourself walking with Jesus, talking with Jesus, visual, you know, visualizing him with your heart. 
you talking and in that place of quietness and then taking a notepad where whatever spontaneous thoughts come to your heart, you write it down. And you don't stop until that flow stops. So these are little keys on how to cultivate that hearing that voice. Amen. Amen. But we got out of time. But I want to pray with you and for you right now. Just put your hands on your heart. And Father, I just pray for each student here today. If anyone has just been in that place of busyness, having a hard time just to get in that place of quietness and stillness before God, I just pray right now special grace. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that even that, you teach them what to do, how to do it. You lead them by the way. You uh, unlight their path. You speak to their heart. You show them how they can individually connect with the heart of God and listen to your voice and cultivate that sensibility to your voice. Lord, I thank you right now that, 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 that any you would show them, expose to them those little foxes that spoil the vine, expose to them those things in their lives that are robbing them of that place of intimacy, that place of connection with the voice of God. And Lord, I just pray and I thank you that it is not by might, it is not by power, but it is by your spirit. So Lord, I pray that what you've taught me, what you've revealed to me, that you would do it to them as well, that that word would become revelation and life to their heart in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. God bless you all. For more information on GoTel Ministry, our teaching, our itinerary, and to discover the many testimonies of those who have been touched and healed by the power of God, you may visit our website at www.gotelministry.org. And remember, that Jesus came to give you life and life in abundance.